Madison's Alternative, 106.7 The Resistance. This week on the Disruptor Series, I'm joined by Luke from The Struts. Hello. Hello. Happy 10 years as a band. Have you celebrated? I've been celebrating a lot, not because of us being together for 10 years, but it was, it was my birthday on the 26th of this month. So in true sort of like Libra fashion, I've been milking it. Um, <laughs> until that teat is dry yeah well it's actually october now so it was last month oh see that's how hard i've been partying <laughs> that's what i man. figured yeah and we're also nearing the end of another festival season here in the states then what are you up to are you guys taking it easy for the rest of the year as easy as as i think we can uh, to be honest we're just really focused on trying to to get this fourth record done we we've been sort of jumping in and out of uh sessions and studio time pretty much since like probably like march around about that sort of time it's been great being able to get back out and do shows but it's also been a little bit frustrating at times because you you get in sort of like a groove and and a way of living when you're sort of like trying to create every day and then it kind of gets broken up with like shows and things like that, which is a completely different mindset. So we're really looking forward to um, just spending the next two to three months, like really focusing and uh, getting it done, you know, otherwise we're screwed. <laughs> when there's so many differences between so many different bands where some bands are more inspired on the road and some bands use the road just to practice, like for the shows that they are, are doing when you do travel and you have to break up the sessions in the studio, do you ever get outside influence or inspiration? Or does it kind of basically cut off whatever inspiration you had before you went on the road? To be honest, when we're on the road, we don't, we're not the kind of group that sort of like allocates the days off to sort of like sitting around and trying to write things. Just because the schedule is just so demanding, like physically, you kind of want to spend the days off literally doing nothing and just sort of lying in bed or on the bus and just eating and going to the cinema and just sort of like switch off for a bit. But I, I do tend to collect like a lot of ideas, like small bits, like phrases and, and lines and things. And then of course, like sometimes you experience things out on tour, which again, I'll kind of write down. And then once we get back to LA, I kind of have all of these sort of compiled notes and then in the mornings I'll, I'll start working on them and sort of flush out rough like lyrical ideas and content. But yeah, the road tends to be the road and then the studio is, you know, primarily studio time. So we do, I, I do keep it separate, but we, I don't know, we, we there was a couple of stints where in sound checks, for instance, sometimes we will, Adam will play like riffs and grooves and things, but I don't, I haven't done sound check for quite some time. <laughs> I just, uh, I, I come down for the meet and greet and then um, of course the actual show, but um, sound check now and for the last couple of years has just been the best time for me to um, have a cheeky, like 45 minute nap, which is crucial. You take a nap. Do you have any other pre-show traditions? No, it, it is important to sort of like get 
um, in the in the right sort of like headspace and get the blood pumping because if you go on kind of cold, you can kind of shock your body a bit. I always I always annoy the other guys about forty five minutes before we go on stage. I'll bring like a like a speaker and um, I'll put on some really annoying music, like <laughs> sort of like cheesy studio 54 disco stuff i've been listening to recently and you know bless them they just sort of like they sit in and and they take it all in but we we sort of like jump around the room and lift weights and it's quite a sight to see i'm quite glad that nobody can see those special moments before going on stage but yeah and and then i don't really warm up my voice either to be fair i sort of just i think warming up my tongue and my lips is probably the thing that works for me um, I don't sort of tend to sort of sit there and run through scales and things. Yeah, I just I just never really quite needed to. But yeah, a bit of honey, you know, maybe a bit of tea, depending on how fatigued I feel. Depends on sort of like the uh, the prep before the show, if that makes any sense. Do you have a favorite beverage on stage, like in case your throat does get dry? It's just water. Yeah, room temperature water. But honey's actually really really good sometimes i'll have like again it really depends I, I don't like to sort of use things like throat coat and vocal zones too much because it, it begin it sort of begins to become like a thing that i think i need but i don't but if we have like four shows in a row or you know we've already been out for five weeks and everybody's feeling a bit tired and my voice is maybe a little bit overworked then I'll use those kind of things. But yeah, just, just water really, because when I'm on tour, I don't really tend to drink um, alcohol, but, but the other three guys make up, uh, make up for that for me um, on stage, at least They're, they've always got a couple of um, whiskey and Cokes and beers and things on stage. But I, I, I like to really remain sober and, and present in the moment because I, I just enjoy it more, you know? That makes it so you can really experience the full scope of every show, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think it was in 2000 and the beginning of 2019 where I was, I was just doing sort of like a, I know it sounds very LA, but I, I was doing like a bit of a detox kind of thing. And, and of course I wasn't drinking alcohol for a couple of months and it led its way into the tour. And I didn't really even think about it. And then I was walking on stage and I was like, oh my God, like I'm, I'm totally sober. And then I realized that I hadn't actually probably performed Stone Cold Sober since from the age of like 16 years old. You know, I was always, always loved the process of sort of like getting in the, getting in the mood and, you know, having couple of drinks of this and smoking a bit of that and you know everything else just to sort of enjoy it and after that show I, I just realized like wow um I I'm singing much better I'm performing more effectively and then the bar and the standard was kind of raised from that night and I just yeah I couldn't go back the other way that being said there are there there are a couple of times where you know I, I do let my hair down and I, I will drink every now and then but that tends to be maybe like the last show of the tour or if we've got a really small run of like maybe three or four shows or five you know again like I'll I'll sort of 
have a good time on 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 the last show. You've done a number of cover songs. Do you have a certain criteria that a song needs to have if you want to cover it? Yeah, we like to get paid a lot to do them. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, we've we've sort of found ourselves covering um, some songs because we get asked to, and then uh, it, it can sort of like be for films and everything. But they've been really good experiences. The Boring Blitz cover that we did from the suite—it's just been so funny. We got asked to do it for um, a movie called like The Edge of Seventeen, and then now it keeps getting picked up and used for all of these different kind of shows, like the Umbrella Academy, like the new season. They used it for that, and that was really fun. And then we did uh, Dancing in the Street for Dodge, which was a really cool experience, and. They paid for like uh, this music video, which was a load of fun, and and then on, and then back in the day, we used to do a lot of covers um, of like contemporary people. One of my favorite ones that we ever did was uh, we did Royals by Lord. It's cool. It's almost like if Oasis had covered uh, Lord, if that makes any sense. But yeah, obviously, I have to like tend to enjoy the song. You know that that helps. <laughs> Yeah, you have to like it if you're going to sing it, especially if it catches on and you have to sing it every night. True, exactly. <laughs> We've been told that your new song, Fallen With Me, is inspired by the Sunset Strip. Can you elaborate on that? Well, it was written in a time where I'd really just sort of moved officially to L.A. And, of course, like any... Any foreigner coming to like Los Angeles, um, I, I was drawn to like a lot of the, um, the the tourist traps, so to speak. You know, because it's all new to you. You know, and and um, the Rainbow Bar and Grill on Sunset was a place that we would go to, and I I really enjoyed it. I thought um, I still do actually. We were there not long ago, and I was seeing someone at the time. And we will always meet there. And I I would just sort of write down all these phrases uh, and whatnot um, of conversations that we'd have and things, sometimes like things that we would do. And then when we started to write Falling With Me, I had like all of these really quirky lines, like the Alice and Mad Hatter and just kind of like obscure stuff. And the Rainbow 945, it kind of worked its way in. But yeah, it's definitely inspired by um, someone coming over to Los Angeles and sort of um, experiencing all the trappings that kind of come with that. In fact, that's kind of somewhat of the theme that I'm beginning to realize for this next album, album number four. So will the song be on there or is this a non-album single? No, this is, yeah, Falling With Me is definitely going to be on the record. I'm not sure if it's going to open the album, but it's definitely going to be on the record. So it's kind of like a snippet and a taste of what everything else is going to sound like in, in a bit. Your last album, Strange Days, came out almost exactly two years ago. And then since then, you did release at least one non-album single. And now you're working on the new album. Do you have a timeline for that? Or is this more of an as the creativity comes to you, as it flows... Do you have some freedom with this one? Well, like I said, we've been working on it for like a minute and it really took us a while 
to kind of find exactly what we wanted to do and where we wanted to go. So we kind of have been going through the motions of like getting, we, we've been doing lots of different processes. Uh, we, we've been doing sessions with like the entire band in the room and we did that for like a couple of months and you know that was really good it was a it was a good way to kind of like warm up the machines so to speak but pretty soon after that we then thought we have to sort of push you know we didn't we didn't want to repeat anything that we've done already and thank god in the in the last month or so um we've been on a bit of like a hot streak in terms of like okay this works this is new this is interesting we're still running with it and the timeline is hopefully get it out into the world for the first quarter of next year so we don't have too long to wait no and i don't have too long to to get it done either so uh, <laughs> the pressure's on you yeah there are some new bands that embrace fashion as part of the band like palais royale and monoskin do you consider yourselves fashionable like would the struts fall under the fashion rock umbrella i i guess so i guess so but it, you know, I don't, I mean, a lot of people have noticed that the, the, the group itself has gone through a bit of like a, an image change or like a rebrand, as people say. And I think what it was when, you know, the, the bands that in particular that you just mentioned um, had started to really sort of like come up on the scene in the last few years, like with, with this big kind of like androgynous like look, um, which you know i feel like i've been doing for like quite some time and i just thought you know what like i i'm i'm just kind of one of those people that if if it feels like a trend or if it feels like it's kind of becoming extremely popular then i, I then i kind of start to kind of get less interested by it i needed to sort of like formulate a look that might maybe make the struts a bit more cohesive as a foursome and I thought that bringing things back to like this British 60s Carnaby Street suits uh, kind of vibe would be like a real classy way to to create um, a new look and then also keep it like high fashion but you know it's it's different you know I think when you look at like Maniskin and everything and, and even Palais Royale, for example, like it's great. It's great. And that's them. And I'm, and I'm happy that people are, are really embracing, uh, exploring like their feminine side. And it feels like the, the, the rule book's gone completely out the window when it comes to like what bands can and can't wear. But yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's appropriate for the struts to sort of turn into a completely different direction, if that makes any sense, you know? Would you ever be interested in doing like your own line of suits or something? I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to, but it's, it's so time consuming. Um, <laughs> and I have explored uh, doing that like in the past, but like I said, it, you know, when you're either writing a record or you're out on the road and, all of the things that happen like within the struts, like as, as an entity, it demands like a lot of your attention. So maybe one day when things kind of slow down a bit, I can do that. But as for now, I just, you know, just want to concentrate on, um, on getting this record done. 
Speaking of things that take up a lot of time and energy, you guys are very active on social media platforms. Do you have a social media person that handles that for you? Yeah, we have quite a few different people that sort of get involved. I think on the creative, my friend Bryson Roach, who has been sort of like working with us on and off since 2019, has always done sort of like a great job of helping to sort of like create these either it's like music videos which she's done or the tiktok stuff for example you know he's really good at that so we kind of get together and we we sort of have a great creative chemistry um so we're always kind of trying to come up with new ideas and and gethin as well um the drummer he's he's really great at, at tiktok as well um i i tend to kind of like stay not too involved do you know what I mean like I don't have TikTok and I don't spend sort of like hours scrolling through it I've <laughs> there are enough things that I'm kind of like low-key addicted to and TikTok's one that I don't want to succumb to just yet but yeah we uh we try we try our best to kind of keep things fun and interesting and um I think you'd be stupid to ignore something like TikTok you know it, it it's really taking our music and our band to a much bigger audience because of it you know and uh i think the days of just relying on press and radio are, are really kind of gone not to say that they don't hold any value and and, ex and they don't expose the music because they do and they always will but social media is becoming such a big way of how we find and create and consume music so yeah we enjoy it and it really gives insight into who you guys are off the stage and what your personalities are like. Which in some respects, like I, I kind of think it's a bit sad. I, th I think that the days of like the mysterious aura that used to be surrounded by different artists um, is kind of died a little bit, but it's fun because now it's becoming like the wild, wild west, like anything goes. And um, it's fascinating to see what people are doing and and actually how they can creatively uh, make an identity and an online kind of persona. So it's, it's exciting times. Is there a social media platform where fans are most likely to reach you if they DM you? <laughs> um, I, I tend to like stick with Instagram a lot. Don't, I, I haven't used Twitter in years and Facebook. I do a little bit. There's, there's a fan group called the Strutters which is on Facebook. And I, and I, I sort of check in there every now and then um, because the conversations just fascinate me. Um, and some of the, the conspiracy theories for things that I'll say and do uh, just really make me giggle. Um, <laughs> but I, I will go in and, and, and break the silence every now and then and, and tell them the, the real facts, you know, because I just, it's painful sometimes to, to read. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like this, you know, this is why. Like, for instance, when I did the uh, the Taylor Hawkins tribute show in, in London, I purposely chose to wear like a nice tailored suit because I just thought, you know, it was appropriate. And I, I was going through like an image change myself. And the things that I read was so funny. It was like, oh, I can't believe like Luke's succumbing to like his managers and record label for, you know, making him not wear the makeup and all of the, the the glam rock look, you know, it's really sad. Like, I just wish he could be himself. And I'm like, I am being myself, you know? It's funny how people sort of look into things, you know? Yeah. And thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. No, thank you. I really appreciate it. 
We're going to listen to Fallen With Me by The Struts right now on The Resistance. <laughs> 